and welcome to the Deep Track Podcast, an exploration of watches, trends, and culture with a few adventures along the way. I am your host, Blake Bettner. Welcome to 2024. This is the first episode of the new year. Uh, I hope you had a wonderful holiday season and entry into the new year. I know I'm excited about what's to come. This is a solo episode. It'll just be me today talking a little bit about, uh, well, some of the takeaways from 2023 and what I'm excited to bring you in 2024. Uh, this will be a shorter episode today, but we do have a lot of really exciting guests uh, planned uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, be sure to stick around and subscribe if you haven't yet. Uh, this podcast should be listed on all of the major directories at this point. Uh, if it's not, you can drop us a note at info at the uh, And you're also welcome to send any feedback uh, my way as well. Uh, this is the first episode of 2024, which means the first Wrist check of 2024, and I have on a brew metric in PVD Black. Uh, this is a watch that came out about midway through last year, and I think it's a really good representation of the metric. It really shows the diversity of this watch as a platform. And of course, uh, Brew and uh, our friend Jonathan over there has taken this watch in quite a few different directions. And I think it works surprisingly well uh, in, in pretty much all of them. Uh, this one, of course, is kind of a full blacked out design uh, with some red accents. It's kind of a racy feel. It's got uh, a little bit of Porsche Chronograph 1 vibes to it, uh, which I really like. Uh, and it is a Mecha Quartz, which I don't mind, of course. Um, it's just a watch that kind of overall works really well. Fabulous on the wrist. So I'm, I'm excited to see what Jonathan does with this line uh, moving ahead. I know that he, uh, kind of towards the later end of the year, brought out an automatic uh, metric, uh, which I imagine he will continue to lean into going into 2024. Uh, hopefully some new watches from him this year as well. Uh, I think overall the kind of small micro-brand space is one that is worth keeping an eye on, and that's no secret. If you've been paying any attention to the watch world over the past few years, um, you've no doubt come across uh, some of the great things going on in this space, uh, which is not limited to to just brew, but kind of all up and down the spectrum. Uh, I've got an article up on thedeeptrack.com right now uh, that uh, goes over some of the, a few of the watches, five watches in particular, that I think are kind of worth remembering from 2023. I've also got an article up there with uh, a few takeaways from uh, from 2023 as well. And, and in that, I talk about the impact that some of these brands are starting to have on the industry as a whole, uh, which over the past few years has become undeniable. Uh, and really, I think it's kind of forced a lot of the bigger brands to take a closer look at the value proposition uh, that they're offering their customers. Uh, no longer are things just like exotic materials and in-house movements and quick adjust bracelets, stuff like that. Uh, that is becoming kind of like the ante to play, I think, and it's something that I've talked a lot about uh, if, if you've listened to me on podcasts in the past. Uh, of course, there are some really just creative, incredible things going on in this space, and they're starting to get more recognition as a result of it. And I think that the only watch auction of this past year that was to happen, of course, it's been postponed. Hopefully, we'll see that come to light at some point soon. Uh, but, but some of the watches that were entered uh, and accepted into that space from the likes of Baltic and Furlan Mari uh, have really kind of shown how 
uh, how, how far the perception of brands like this has come uh, over the years, which is a really healthy thing. And again, you know, anything that kind of keeps the, the kind of mainstream brands on their toes uh, and, and continue to push ahead in what they're offering for the money and seemingly ever-increasing price tags, I think is a really good thing. So uh, that's definitely one of the things that I'm most excited uh, about for 2024 and to see how this kind of further evolves. Uh, one of the watches that I call out in particular is that Furlan Mari Perpetual Calendar uh, that they made for Only Watch. This is a brand that I'm excited about for a few reasons. Uh, they have a very beautiful, refined uh, design language, especially for such a young brand. And seeing it used in this kind of a watch, this kind of a complicated watch, uh, was really refreshing. And just how they approached it, I think, was really interesting. Uh, and obviously approachable, most importantly. Um, you know, I think this is a watch that we will hopefully see come to commercial availability and at a price point well under $10,000. I think that's really exciting. Uh, for Lanmari in particular, though, I think they've got a few other things things that I'm really excited about. And yeah, they're a brand that I will definitely have my eye on this year. And uh, if you're into that kind of a thing, I think you should as well. And these watches are, they kind of defy being placed into any specific genre. And I think that's another trend that we're seeing from, from not only small brands, but large brands as well. Uh, this kind of idea of a watch that you can do anything and, um, and everything in these kind of go anywhere, do anything watches, uh, which have a certain appeal to them. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this personally. I think watches are more interesting the more they lean into some kind of a specialized purpose or function. Um, that said, I think there is certainly a place for watches uh, that are kind of like easy grab and go. They can dress up, dress down. Um, you know, I, I just think that brands need to be careful about how uh, generic they can make, make a watch when they are attempting to go into that realm. I think they really got to be careful to hold on to the character and personality of a watch even if it is attempting to live in that space. Maybe especially uh, if it's attempting to live in that space. Um, so that's one of the watches that, uh, that, that you know, really made an impact on, on me and I think will have a big impact on the year to come. Uh, some of the other watches that I had mentioned um, as being kind of worth remembering, uh, the Tag Heuer Carrera Glass Box uh, is another one. I think they did a really good job. Uh, Tag Heuer did a really good job with this watch. Of course, the Carrera has had um, a deep and pretty sordid history. Uh, there's been a lot of really great Carreras over the years. And some that uh, don't quite hit the mark as well as you'd want them to. Uh, but the glass box, I think, honors its history and the kind of classic, handsome design of the Carrera, but does it in a pretty modern way that doesn't feel like it's trying to be a throwback. And I think that's something that's really important for brands to get a grasp on as they move ahead with some of their historic ranges of collections. Uh, I, I, I feel like, and I've been saying this for a while, that the kind of throwback trend, the Fotina type stuff is... Uh, kind of waning and we're seeing people kind of move into more purposely modern designs uh, but at the same time I think when brands can can bring through their historic classic designs in a way that just feels like it's a follow-through like it's a continuation of it rather than bringing it back to life from what it was and I think Tag Heuer has done just that with this new 39 millimeter glass box uh, Carrera if you'd never seen a Carrera before I think you would find plenty to enjoy this in this watch uh, it's a good looking watch it feels kind of modern uh, I really like what they've done with the dial, how they've added a bit of depth to it and kind of a, a real sense of dimension, uh, which is helped by the uh, glass box crystal that kind of curves over uh, the 
index ring that is on the other side of the slope uh, of the bezel. It's a really difficult watch to explain. It's something that you really have to see in person to fully appreciate, and I think it just works really well here. And I'm glad that they introduced it in kind of base colorways before going into things like the skipper, uh, as it really kind of shows the flexibility that this watch has. And, uh, and, and it's something that I look forward to uh, Tag Heuer building on as they go through in, into 2024. Um, and one of the other watches that I think also does uh, kind of this kind of in a similar vein that does something really well that does this really well is the IWC Ingenieur uh, 40 automatic. If you remember, IWC released this at Watches and Wonders in 2023, and then we didn't really hear much about it. Uh, I think it's a watch that they had a tricky time getting into the market as quickly as they would have liked which meant that a lot of the excitement around this watch kind of died off a bit, uh, which is a shame, because I think it's a watch that they executed really, really well. And of course, this is a design that we've been asking for for a long time from IWC. They returned to kind of the Genta era, uh, which of course isn't the first era uh, of the Ingenieur, but it's the one that it's kind of most well known for, uh, and certainly the one that has uh, the most character, I would say. Uh, you know, I think the early, early original Ingenieurs are really handsome uh, watches. Uh, and of course, the generation just prior to the one that we got uh, referenced that. Uh, it's maybe a little bit generic looking in, in today's environment, uh, but still a good looking watch, but it's certainly not kind of recognizable from across the room as the Genta design of the Ingenieur. So I'm happy to see this brought back. And again, it's done so in a way that looks like fresh, modern, uh, you know, it looks like a design that they could have just released in response to the trend, uh, you know, whole cloth right now, uh, but it's not. It's a watch that, of course, builds on the 1976 design from Gerald Genta. It is one of those original designs, uh, and it does so really well, uh, in my opinion. And that, I think, largely comes down to the case and bracelet uh, and how they've executed that. Seriously, this is a very good bracelet, uh, wears very well on the wrist, uh, and I think that more people should be able to experience this watch, and you know, I'm not saying any of that like fully justifies the price. I know that um, there's been some ruffled feathers around that, and you know, rightfully so, and I think brands should be held accountable to what they're trying to present to us uh, at, at these prices. Uh, I, I do think that this watch comes close to living up to it, though, in the hand. I do think it's that good. Uh, and I think the uh, the dial is very interesting, and it might not be for everybody, but I think it's okay to be a little polarizing in what they've done. It certainly could be considered that. Uh, I think the Aqua colorway in particular works really, really well. But I think the sleeper hit could just be the titanium version of this thing, um, which is, of course, exceptionally light, uh, but the kind of matte gray and black colorway that it comes with um, works really, really well. So I'm really excited to see more of these in the market and what the price does on the secondary uh, market as well. So, you know, I think these things kind of have a way of working themselves out, and this watch will kind of fall into the, the realm that it needs to be. Um, so, at any rate, uh, that's a watch that I'm really excited about, and we'll have a much closer look at uh, coming soon. Uh, we'll have the Aqua Dial in. Hopefully at some point in January, we'll be able to spend some more time with that and get something in-depth uh, out on uh, thedeeptrack.com. I've just put up a kind of a retrospective look at the last uh, Genta, kind of original Genta design uh, of the Ingenieur that came out in 2013. This is the reference 3239, which kind of sets the scene for what IWC is doing with their latest version. So uh, head over to the site if you have not seen that yet. 
Um, one of the other watches, and this will come as absolutely zero surprise to anyone listening to this, is the Tudor uh, Pelagos FXD in black. Um, now, I've been a fan of the FXD since it was released in late 2021 uh, for the Marine Nationale. Uh, this is the blue on blue with a blue Velcro strap uh, watch that has a bidirectional bezel uh, that counts up rather than showing elapsed time uh, as a traditional. And of course, this was made specifically for the Marine Nationale and a maneuver that they do underwater uh, in navigating uh, at, at slightly shallower depths uh, uh, where they've got a, a person with a compass uh, kind of dictating the bearing and the person with the watch that can um, easily track how much time that they have been heading in that direction and then make adjustments on the fly uh, with ease. So. Uh, I, I am not a person that does that kind of thing, uh, but I think it's it's really interesting that they built a watch for such a uh, a niche group of people, and further still, an even like more unusual kind of I guess maneuver that they do. Uh, and, but in my opinion, that adds a lot of character to the watch in general. Uh, so. Seeing them do it in an all-black uh, colorway, I think, made a lot of sense, and it's a watch that resonates with far more people uh, than the Marine Nationale did. Uh, so, you know, I, I hope that more people are able to get their hands on an FXD that want one. I know that they've been kind of scarce in the past, uh, so hopefully Tudor can ramp up uh, any of the production needs on that one. I, I also really love the concept of a fixed lug watch like this. Uh, that's it's really kind of intentioned to be that way from from the get go, and you know it, that that's the kind of risk that I would like to see from more brands making kind of hardcore tool watches. It doesn't have to be super extreme, uh, but I think there's a lot of room for creativity here, and the FXD certainly shows that. Um, all of the diving that I did last year, almost all of it, was done in an FXD. The Marine Nationale before the Black Dial came out, and then of course diving down in Florida with Tudor uh, during the release of the Black Dial FXD. And after that experience, uh, I was able to pick one of these up for myself, and uh, I immediately broke it in with with a dive in upstate New York, uh, and I, I dove in Dubai and in the Persian Gulf with it as well. Uh, it's just an excellent dive companion, um, and not only that, it's a great watch to kind of wear around every single day. I, you know, I usually say the, the qualities that make for a good kind of dive slash tool watch make for a great kind of everyday uh, watch. Sure, maybe it's not the most like formal thing in the world and you're not going to dress this thing up, uh, but anything south of that, I think this watch really excels at. Uh, the super high contrast dial is obviously really easy to get a read on and quickly. The loom is excellent, uh, but the case here like sits really flat and almost slightly smaller than the numbers would have you believe. Uh, and that lug-to-lug -lug measurement is taken, by the way, from kind of the kind of most bowed out ends of uh, the uh, fixed lug there. So yeah, it, it, the numbers look a little bit scary on this watch, um, but it's actually really pleasant on the wrist. So, uh, and I think that's kind of another trend that more people should be keyed into uh, in paying attention to the wearability factor of a watch, which you know, in my opinion, boils down to more than just a few set of numbers. Um, not always, but generally it, it, it always does. And there are some watches out there that might surprise you, and the FXD is certainly one of them. Uh, so we'll have a lot more experiences in that watch. We'll be talking about uh, a bit more uh, of the diving that was done last year and some of the dive trips that are, are planned for this year. Uh, I've got Chris Soul, who will be a guest uh, coming up soon. We'll be talking a lot about that kind of stuff. So keep an eye out for that. Um, the other watch that I mentioned in this article is the Rolex 190. 
8. And this is uh, another watch that kind of flew under the radar. I don't think Rolex has gotten any into the market at this point, at least that I've noticed. But I hope to see some soon. This is a watch that is certainly kind of on the formal side of things, uh, but it doesn't feel like an overt dressy watch. Of course, it comes in uh, white gold, even with a white dial and, and a black dial. Uh, and, you know, I think this is a watch that could really slip under the radar really nicely and serve as almost like um, a high-end field watch of sorts. And that really comes down to how they applied the, um, uh, the Arabic numerals at 3, 9, and, and 12 here on this watch. And then this hour hand that has this kind of big circular gulf at its tip. It's just a great looking watch overall, and it's one that's kind of been stuck in the back of my head since I saw it early last year. So I'm excited to see more of these in the market. Certainly not a um, accessible or approachable watch, maybe like, like most Rolexes are, um, but it's one that I'm excited to see them expand on. Surely this is just the beginning uh, for this uh, collection, and I'm, uh, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see some more complications enter um, this collection next year. And finally, kind of an honorable mention watch that uh, that has me excited is a new Ploprof from Omega. Uh, now, I've, I've always had a soft spot for the Ploprof, and uh, I own a titanium version from the, I guess it's now the last generation of the watch. Uh, but there's something charming about the original that the modern ones never quite managed to capture, and I think that largely comes down to the monoblock case that was built for the original one. And the whole point here was, uh, you know, so that the watch wouldn't need a helium release valve. And a new generation of the Ploprof Omega has returned to the monoblock case, um, albeit with a helium release valve for some reason. Uh, but they've kind of tweaked the dimensions of this watch, and I think going back to the monoblock case is a really good move for this watch. So that's a watch that I'm maybe most excited to get some time uh, with this year. And the watch that um, that I hope to dive in uh, outside of the FXD. Uh, so hopefully that will happen at some point this year, and we can kind of give it a solid look in terms of, um, you know, if, you, if you're if you're not diving with this thing, is it a fun watch to just wear around? Of course, the Ploprof is a great experience to have on the wrist, and it tells a great story. Uh, I really kind of like the look of it, even though, you know, it's maybe not good-looking in a traditional sense. Uh, it's got a, a lot of character to it, and I think it's a really interesting design, and uh, it's, it's one of those watches that you just kind of look down and can't help but have a smile on your face if you're into this kind of thing. So um, hats off to Omega for bringing that one back. I'm hoping that we will see like a regular production um, like black dial or white dial, whatever they want to do with that new case uh, outside of the kind of blue on blue on blue version that they have uh, now. And I really like the um, the new rubber strap, kind of isoprene style strap that they've got it on as well. So uh, looking forward to seeing more of that one and more from Omega. And one thing to note, uh, and this has been a trend over the past few years, uh, within the first week, few days uh, sometimes of the new year in January, Omega has released new Speedmaster versions. So maybe we'll see that here in the coming few days. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, what would you like to see in a new Speedmaster? Uh, boy, I don't know. What if, maybe like a maybe a like a matte titanium uh, version of the Speedmaster Professional would be kind of cool, uh, or something kind of basic along those lines with a titanium tapered bracelet. Um, I think that would be just fabulous. There's generally not enough titanium Speedmasters out there, so uh, anything in that realm would have me pretty excited. 
Okay, so I'm really excited about what is to come in 2024, not just from watch brands, but what I have in store for uh, the Deep Track podcast. Uh, I appreciate all of the early supporters and help me, helping me get this off the ground uh, here over the past few weeks. I appreciate every single one of you. Uh, you can go over to Patreon uh, slash the Deep Track if you'd like to support. I'd like to keep this as reader-supported as possible. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I view my responsibility to, to you and to the enthusiast community more than anything else. So I'd like to stay as true to that as I can for as long as I can here. So your support really means a lot uh, to me. And I know there's been a handful of you that have, have jumped on that early, and uh, I can't say thank you enough. If you're not a supporter, no big deal. You can you can feel free to get subscribed. I think we've got a lot of really cool things coming this year, including a lot of really incredible guests uh, on the podcast. I've got a very long list uh, of people that uh, that I'll be working through and speaking to in the watch world, uh, in the automotive world, in the fashion world, uh, in the photography world. Uh, really, kind of a lot of spaces that. I am frankly curious about and excited about and looking forward to exploring um, with you. So if you have any feedback uh, or comments or suggestions, uh, you know, I, I am all ears. Feel free to email me uh, directly at Blake at the um, or you can ping me on Instagram uh, there, uh, Blake underscore Bettner, uh, or you can go and follow the deep track at the deep underscore track. Uh, I did register uh, at the deep track all one word uh, however that was promptly banned by instagram so i'm working on maybe getting that back i don't know but for the time being it is just the deep underscore track uh, over on instagram so you can go follow me there and in terms of editorial, I will continue to be releasing in-depth reviews and thoughts on watches and new releases that, uh, that I see coming out that I have something to say about uh, and doing some hands-on with some of the watches that I will be able to get access to. Uh, I, I'm still really interested in doing kind of long-form editorial-type uh, reviews, and it's something that I enjoy consuming, and, and hopefully there's still a few of you left out there that enjoy reading them. Uh, perhaps at some point down the line this year, we'll get into uh, the video space and doing, and doing some videos here on YouTube. So keep an eye out for that. Now, in terms of the Patreon subscribers, uh, I will be releasing a podcast short each month uh, that will be kind of a behind-the-scenes look uh, at some of the discussions that I have with my guests. Uh, these will be maybe 15 to 20-minute discussions that will be released only to uh, the Patreon subscribers. So if you're uh, a subscriber there, you can keep an eye on your email uh, and you'll start getting those episodes this month. And again, if you have any thoughts or feedback there, uh, I am all ears, so feel free to hit me up uh, at Blake at thedeeptrack.com. All right, that is going to do it for this episode, the first episode of 2024. Thank you again to everyone who has uh, reached out with a word of support. Um, it, it really means a lot to me, and I'm, I can't tell you how excited I am to move forward with this uh, project into 2024. I think we've got a really cool, a lot of cool things on the horizon, and I look forward to doing a lot of really cool things this year, uh, having hopefully quite a few adventures and uh, getting out there with some of these cool watches and putting them to use in the environments that they were, well, meant to be put to use in. So stay plugged in to the Deep Track. You can expect new podcast episodes each Tuesday uh, uploaded to your feed. So uh, again, you can go and get subscribed uh, from wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any issues there, you can reach out to me. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Once again, Happy New Year, and until next time, take care.